Today's gospel is from Luke, the 13th chapter. At that very time, there were some present who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Jesus asked them, do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, see here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. The Gospel of the Lord. God's grace and peace to you here in church and online as well. Amen. So this box of garden trowels appeared on the bench outside of the church's main doors. And when I first noticed them, I thought someone had just set them there for a moment while they loaded their car, and then they must have forgotten them there. But no one claimed them. And once snow started piling on top of this box, we figured we better bring it inside. Joy Miller, our connector of all things here at Mount Olivet, inquired with Barry Froseth, our gardener extraordinaire, and he did not know about their origin. It is still a mystery, the giver of these little shovels, Whoever gave them to us, thank you for your generosity. I doubt if our Bibles flop open to chapter 13 of Mark's Gospel because we read it so much. This story is specific to Luke, which always should perk our curiosity. Why did Luke include this story? What does he want us to know about Jesus? Maybe Jesus and this box of garden trowels have something to say to us today. And so Jesus is in teaching mode, this time wrestling with a question of suffering. He talks about two events, once where Pilate murdered Galileans right when they were sacrificing in the temple and he mingled their blood with the blood of the animals, an act of pure evil. And one when a tower fell on innocent people, an act of disaster. Now back in Jesus' time, they thought that suffering was caused by sin. 
You suffer because something, because of something you had done or something that you hadn't done. Now, even thousands of years later, we get snarled in this cause and effect trap of suffering, even when we don't admit it aloud. We think what we, get, we get what we deserve, so then the key to a healthy, less painful existence is to live a clean life, avoid the pitfalls, try our best to avoid the places of danger. And you know how our minds are programmed. The minute you hear of a divorce, we think, what's the story? Who's cheating who? When someone dies, we want to know what caused it so we can avoid the same. Just eat better, wear sunscreen, don't drink and drive. We scan our lives and alter our ways to avoid potential risk. But even with all the effort on avoidance, we realize suffering is inherent in this world. And it's inherent as us as well. As we wrestle with a racist, um, homophobic place in the garden of life. So here in the moment where Jesus could clarify the aching question of why suffering why do bad things happen to good people? Why do evil people seem to get ahead? But rather than a direct answer, Jesus says, unless you repent, you will all perish like they did. Since it's the season of Lent, I guess there's no better time than right now to talk about repentance. John the Baptist says before Jesus even begins his ministry, bear fruits worthy of repentance. I've never understood what that meant. We tend to think repentance is like confession, admitting the sin, making note of the wrong, a technical move when we realize we have made a mistake. And so I repent or stop what I'm doing, and then I just started again, only to fall and repent and start again, almost like that herky-jerky motion of learning to drive a stick-shift car. What an unbearable way to live. But instead of defining repentance, Jesus narrates a story. A keeper of a vineyard noticed an unproductive fig tree, and so the keeper spoke up, if this tree is not producing figs, it needs to go to make room for a tree that will produce figs. The gardener steps in and wonders if there's still more life to come from this dormant tree. So he asks, let me dig around it, nourish it. Give me time to remind it of what it's meant to do. If it bears fruit next year, then let it keep growing. If not, cut it down. And the owner of the vineyard obliges. Could repentance be the tap on the trunk of the tree to remind it of its purpose is to grow figs? Or could repentance be the gardener who knows that growth can happen when things are nourished, when we dig into compacted hard soil to let the air of life in? Now, I would guess 
that at some point in your life or many times, you have wondered, does my life matter? What am I doing? Am I doing what I'm meant to do? I think we run into this question most typically after an abrupt change, like losing a job or changing jobs, when a relationship ends, a death, when we turn 50, says the preacher who dwells in this decade. I think we all wonder this at many times in our lives. Am I fulfilling my purpose? Am I actually doing what I'm meant to do? What if repentance just meant to open yourself to believe that there is a life force that's concerned that you and all people and things like fig trees are healthy and complete And that same life force knows you are capable and gifted to bear fruit, to nurture the well-being of others. What if repentance is coming around to realize that maybe this fig tree is not done producing and that what it really needs is time and attention to do what it's meant to do? to produce a fig, to feed someone, to have a bird or two nest in its branches, to work its roots into the deep ground as part of the ecosystem of that vineyard. In her book, Braiding Sweetgrass, author Robin Wall Kimmerer tells of the arduous process of making real maple sugar. She writes, one half of the truth is that the earth endows us with her great gifts. The other half is that the gift is not enough. The other half belongs to us. We participate in its transformation. It is our gift and gratitude that distills the sweetness. God gives you the gifts of life. Repentance is seeing this life and what we have been given as a gift and then participating it, working the soil of our souls to bear the fruit. We need both. Now, I can't tell you what bearing fruit in your life looks like, but I can tell you, you are meant to bear fruit. God has already given you what you need. The question is, are you participating in making this happen? At church, sometimes we get stuck into these categories of what fruits of faith must be. We worry too much about doing things in a certain way, like it's always been done. And then if we don't do it in a certain way, then we're not doing it right. This certainly has been the reality over these last years of the pandemic. If we can't worship in the way that we've always worshipped, or teach, or connect in community, or give, then are we even still really church? I think Jesus is inviting us to see that bearing fruit can happen beyond the categories we construct. I received an email from someone who has been attending a yoga class here at Mount Olivet. We partner with Julie Thor, who is a person of peace in our community, a yoga instructor, 
And Julie knows that communities are formed and shaped by spiritual practice. So Julie asked, could I just use your community room each week so I could teach and invite those into community into a time of healing and renewal? I want to read you the email. Thank you for opening Mount Olivet to Christian yoga on Thursday evenings. I have been attending Julie Thor's class for several years now, and it has been such a blessing for me to find respite through your church. The class has been healing physically and spiritually. I'm on a limited income and can no longer afford a gym membership. The reasonable class fee has allowed me to remain active in spite of finances in the pandemic. Julie's ministry has been a, life to, a light to my life, and this past fall, I was able to volunteer for your loaves and fishes ministry. It's wonderful to see how Mount Olivet is reaching out and making a difference in its community. Thank you. This email is a glimpse of what it means to bear fruit. And maybe you didn't even know that this fig was already growing on the tree. Now, don't miss this today. The tree will be cut down if it doesn't bear fruit because that's what it was created to do. And just when you have given up on the tree or yourself or someone else or your church, hear that the gardener says, one more year. It needs time to do what it's meant to do. Just when you want to give up, a little box of garden trowels lands by your front door to remind you to dig in. Let the spirit of life do her thing while you do yours. Now, the good news today, Mount Olivet, is we did not receive a box of axes on our bench outside our front door. I think God is telling us, don't cut it down. It was a box of shovels so we can get to work, till the ground, toss around manure rich in fertilizers, reminding us that the already processed hurts and regrets can be used for new life. God knows there's life ready to grow here at Mount Olivet and within your life as well to produce fruit, and then offer it to feed the world. So today, on the beginning of spring, awaken to the gardener, grab a trowel, and go bear fruit. Amen. <laughs>